0: Welcome to Radio Curious, I'm Barry Vogel. This is the second of two interviews about the nationwide acceptance of the recreational and medicinal use of marijuana. Our guest is Tim Blake, founder of the Emerald Cup, California's oldest competition among outdoor growers of organic cannabis. He shares his opinions about the future cultural and legal acceptance of marijuana. The first interview with Tim is on our website, radiocurious.org. Tim Blake and I continued our conversation about the growing nationwide acceptance of marijuana and why. His comments and opinions recorded in the studios of Radio Curious on January 17, 2014, are not necessarily that of Radio Curious, our staff, or me. We're just curious.
1: I'm part of a group called CCPR, California Coalition for Policy Reform. Um, Well, it's Mm -hmm. cannabis reform. And uh, all the members uh, of ASA, Normal, and all the activist organizations, cannabis organizations, got together after the uh, 2012 defeat of Prop 19 and said they would all work together and get one initiative and bring it forth. And it looked like it might be in 2014. I don't think it will be. I think that the big money is going to stand back and it's going to go 2016 with Gavin Newsom. But we will absolutely have legalization recreationally in 2016.
0: When you say Gavin Newsom, what's his role in it? Well, he's the he, lieutenant he, governor of California. He's
1: going to run for governor, and he's going to use it as one of his uh, leads. It's going to be one of his main pieces, like the uh, the gay marriage was. And so uh, Gavin, MPP, all the big boys and, and girls have lined up, and they want to push it in 2016. Um The federal government has already backed down over Colorado and Washington. They're going to allow them to do banking and to do normal business. Um, and so we're going to watch cannabis across the country go legal in 2016. Uh, it's going to have major ramifications for all of us, and it's going to change the way people Uh, Interact with cannabis throughout society and almost all for the for the betterment I don't think that people realize how much information is coming in on the medicinal side of cannabis We weren't allowed to do the research in America But they've done a lot of it in Europe and in Israel and the Israelis don't want their people to die They want their people to thrive So they've realized how important cannabis it is medicinally. They're giving it to every Israeli that wants it or needs it
0: How is it medicinally beneficial?
1: Well, what they did, Barry, was they found that in the 70s, when people started growing cannabis, we got rid of the stuff that came in late that didn't really get you very high. But that turned out to be where all the medicine was, because the cannabinoids don't really go well with the THC. Let's
0: stay right there. Yeah. Definitions. Cannabinoids, THC. Cannabinoids,
1: they found that these receptors with cannabinoids, um, and they're perfectly made to match humans. And what they found with these cannabinoids is THC is one of them. It was the, what gets you high when you're, when you're smoking or vaping uh, cannabis. Vaping definition. definition? The thing with vaping now is a lot of people are not smoking cannabis anymore. They're just heating the cannabis up enough so that it releases the medicine. So in my case, I have compromised lungs, so I can't smoke cannabis anymore, so... I heat up with this little machine, and I put the cannabis in there, it doesn't burn the cannabis, it just heats it up enough to release the medicine so that I can take that in and get the healing. So there's a whole new form of called vaporization, which is all the vape pens that you see now, the e-pens and the vape pens, and it's, there's 25 different vape pen companies that have come out in the last two years, and there are all these small little pens that you can put the oil in that people are making now, and you can take a little hit, and it's... It's uh, no no smell. There's no there's no uh, mess. It's very easy to take, and so it's really what's coming in. People are seeing this now
0: with the oil and the vape pens. They're 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 jumping all over America. So let's take the role of uh, the health mm-hmm. benefits of of marijuana. That I'm not sure that you have specifically defined, mm-hmm. but. The public risk benefits, uh, the driving under the influence, not necessarily of alcohol, mm-hmm. but of marijuana, and and the potential danger to, to public safety.
1: Well, they're addressing that in Colorado and Washington with DUI laws and figuring out what's reasonable limits to have in the U. But they've done a number of tests and shown that cannabis drivers have like one-tenth or less, even one-twentieth the accidents that people on uh, alcohol do. People on cannabis tend to drive slower. Uh, more responsive. They don't, uh, they're not out of control or driving fast or, or thinking that their egos, you know, such that they can go like a maniac. So very few cannabis drivers ever getting wrecks. Uh, I don't think that's really the issue, but the, the hell side with this research from the Israelis are finding is that cannabis, like we had a girl, Michaela at our Emerald cup in Santa Rosa last month, she has leukemia stage four. The chemo was not working for her. The parents fought to let her have the CBD oil. Now, the cannabis, the medicinal part of cannabis doesn't get you high. They've separated it so you can get these high CBD plants, which basically the CBD are the cannabinoids that heal you. So you you can grow these plants that have very little THC in them, that have almost all medicine. They don't get you high, and they're turning these into concentrates of oils and salves and tinctures where you can take them in, not get high, but get all the healing. So this girl, Michaela... After six days on the cannabis oil, went into complete remission. And this has been documented. Her doctors are now allowing it. They can't refute it. And she's now permanently on oil. She, they have fought the state of Oregon for the right to do this, and they are on a permanent cannabis regimen with this child. How uh, old is this girl? She's eight years old. Uh, there's another case of a lady whose kid was having seizures. She moved to Colorado. She got the kid on the cannabis oil. And the seizures have stopped completely they're finding with grand mal seizures and with different forms of cancers and epilepsy that cannabis is the the Strongest most effective medicine in the world and the research is coming in so quickly That's why dr. Sanjay Gupta from CNN came on and apologized on CNN a number of months ago because he realized he'd been duped by the American medical uh, medical establishment that he was never told the truth. And he started looking at all the European and Israeli research and realized that this stuff was working miraculously for these people. And he came and apologized.
0: The examples that you've given uh, just now, the girl from Oregon, Mm -hmm. et cetera, um, those are anecdotal. My understanding is that in this kind of testing, they're blind and double-blind testing, Mm -hmm. so that the person who's receiving it doesn't know what they're receiving, and the person who's giving it doesn't know what they're giving. Mm -hmm. So there's a separation. Are you familiar with any studies like that?
1: I am, and again, we haven't been allowed to do those in America. So they're just coming out because it wasn't scheduled so that they would allow
0: that. The allowance is a prohibition by the The federal agencies. It's not
1: scheduled at a point where they would allow any research. And so most of this research is being done in Europe. And they are having a tremendous amount of successful studies coming out. Now, us that, that actually work with the medicine myself, I've survived 12 cancers. I've had quite a bit of, uh, I've had metastasized bone cancers. I had a metastasized bone cancer that had, uh, that I used an ancient American salve, a Native American salve, called black salve to kill the cancer, and I had a hole that was, Uh, inch deep and I use something called the Simpson oil which is what Rick Simpson makes he basically you Technically you take a solvent and you boil down a couple pounds of cannabis and you get a a couple of vials of this tincture Which is this medicine and I couldn't close my wound up for six weeks. It was a giant open wound I put the Simpson oil on and within three days it completely closed that wound up So I watched it personally interact with me. I have a friend of mine who's a he's an old redneck from Willits. He doesn't smoke cannabis. He grows it like a lot of the uh, old loggers and fishermen because they've got to find a way to make a buck. He started losing his eyesight, got documented with brain a brain tumor, lost his eyesight to that brain tumor and they told him they really didn't know what they could do for him. Um, he came and asked me about the Rick Simpson oil because he'd heard about it. I told him how to make it, told him where to get it online. He went and made that. He took it every day about a kernel, about a kernel of rice amount twice a day After 90 days, every uh, symptom was in remission. He's not gonna get his eyesight back because it's gone, but the doctors can't figure out what happened, but those tumors are gone. And he came and told me that he will be on that that, uh, Rick Simpson oil for the rest of his life. I've probably got 15 people like that directly with me that have worked with me or myself personally that have had cases like this. So I've known the healing benefits for the last 10 years because I've watched it personally firsthand. Now they're having the studies in Europe come forth one after another, and now they're breaking it down and they're going to start doing the studies in America, which they are like with kids that with Michaela
0: Tim Blake let's stay with the question of how cannabis betters society and go back to the rural growing situation in northwestern California and how it's difficult for children to invite their friends over to their house during the growing season or the harvesting season, Uh, how some children are told not to tell in school what their parents do for a living. Mm -hmm.
1: Can you address those? It's very interesting. It's been very uh, traumatizing for families. Um, It's been uh, very challenging for different families to live within these uh, restrictions. Uh, for the children for the parents for everybody for the in-laws uh my in-laws were weren't involved in cannabis but they were part of our our family and they had to be part of the secrecy that came in too and it um it's one of the ways law enforcement continues to try to uh repress this um this herb one of the things that's coming up now though like we did with the emerald cup we invited michaela to come down to the emerald cup we opened the emerald cup for children to be there my daughter and son-in-law brought their two kids. My two grandkids were down there, a four-year-old and a one-year-old. Um, we had two um, panel workshops, one on children and cannabis and one on cannabinoids and medicine. And what we're saying to people is that it's time for this old, uh, old dichotomy to just go away and just
0: end. Uh, kids- but you can't just make it go away and just end it if children are freely talking about the size of their parents' garden mm-hmm. in school yeah. perhaps to a teacher who is not in sympathy with the product No, I
1: understand, but what I'm saying, I, I should have said, over the next two years we're going to end that We're gonna bring legalization, recreational to California in 2016. It's not gonna matter anymore. If you wanna smoke cannabis on the street corner or if you wanna grow it in your backyard as long as it's done right, we're gonna take away all those. It's like with alcohol. If you wanna have a still in your backyard and make some wine or make some alcohol, you're free to do that as long as you don't sell that. It's okay, and there's nobody going to come over and say that your dad's bad because he's making some wine in the backyard.
0: So, what's that going to do to the economy if people are growing it in their backyard? The exportation of uh, cannabis or marijuana from Northern California to other parts of the state or other other states uh, would be disturbed. Well, I've been telling people
1: for a while now that it's not going to be as bad as they think. Everybody thinks the world's going to end and it's all going to fall up underneath of us, but. Basically, uh, when the people from around the world, tourism, Japanese tourists or people from all over the country, when they come in and they want to try cannabis, because now cannabis is going to be um, the world headquarters is going to be California, which it's already become and being renowned for. It's not Amsterdam. You don't go to Amsterdam. High Times moved out of there. Amsterdam's dying because they don't want to go there. They don't even have good cannabis. They're all coming to Northern California. That's where all the Europeans are coming to get the strains. That's why we had European breeders that have never been to California before, but they came to the Emerald Cup because they realized the best strains are in Northern California. So when people come from all over the world, they're not going to want to go to Oregon or Washington or Colorado to sit down and do cannabis. They're going to want to get some cannabis and go to the Golden Gate Bridge or go over to Fort Bragg and Mendocino Coast. And so we grow the best cannabis in the world. We have the, the most desired tourist uh, situation in the world. And those factors are going to combine to give us... Uh, a real niche in the whole market worldwide. And I think people are going to see for about 10 years anyway, we're going to do okay.
0: We're visiting with Tim Blake, the founder of the Emerald Cup, California's longest running marijuana competition among outdoor growers of organic cannabis. You're listening to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. Well, Tim Blake, you've mentioned the Emerald Cup. You're the organizer of it. For a number of years, it was held in very rural Northern California at a place called Area 101 at the north end of Mendocino County. And in 2013, you brought it to Santa Rosa. What is the Emerald Cup? The
1: Emerald Cup is a uh, friendly medicinal cannabis competition, uh, outdoor grown medicine. Started 10 years ago. We wanted to uh, do what I grew up doing and going to the county fairs and enjoying all the animals and all the fruit and vegetables and just being part of the the feel and the joy of the fall celebration of the harvest. And so we decided to do that with cannabis. Uh, It was underground 10 years ago. We didn't have any posters. We just invited friends. Uh, It was about 20 entries. That evolved over the next nine years to the point where we've now moved to Sonoma County. We had uh, 7,000 people there. We had two panels of speakers going full uh, both days with workshops. We had the leading lawyers, scientists, doctors, People from all over the country and world, uh, Europeans coming in to discuss the state of cannabis uh, medicinally and scientifically, economically, uh, along with having this friendly competition. So the competition evolved to where we had 260 entries this year. Was so a large... let's
0: stop there. Mm-hmm. How does someone enter? I presume it's an entry of grown marijuana, homegrown yeah. marijuana.
1: You bring How... in you bring in your your entry, which now is three ounces um, to area 101 or one of the other drop-off locations. Uh, We've gone from having just a couple drop-off locations in Mendocino and Humboldt to where we have them all over the state now.
0: What happens then?
1: So you come in and you drop your entry off, and that gets given to a number of judges. And our judges has evolved over the years from being more just the hardcore smokers of Mendocino and Humboldt to where we've got the buyers of the dispensaries, the people that buy the medicine at Peace and Medicine and Spark in San Francisco and Harborside in Oakland. Uh, we've brought these very reputable buyers of these organizations in so that we can have uh, the best judges possible.
0: What are the parameters that the judges use in the judging process of cannabis that's brought in, entries in the Emerald yeah. Cup? Well, the reason why we've
1: gained such uh, credibility and we're known as the Integrity Cup is because all the other cups, basically, you can buy your way in. The one who sponsors the most or the one who pays the most or, you know, ends up winning. Our cup, the judges only get a number, and a sample. They don't get any any uh, any test results on the THC, the potency. They don't get what the strain is. They don't get anything. They just get a number and the sample and then they go test that. How do they test it? Uh, they, however they want to smoke it. They can vape it, they can smoke it in a pipe, they can roll a joint. But what they do is, that's when they're testing the high. The scoring system is a possibility of a 50 point score being the best score. And you get 10, one to 10 for taste, one to 10 for the look, one to 10 for the smell, and one to 10 for the high, but the high gets a double score so that it's weighted towards the high, but the smell and the look and the taste come
0: into account too. So the high is the individual hallucinogenic effect on yeah. the person who ingests the marijuana. Right.
1: And what it makes them feel like. And so we have 10 judges. They all go away separately. They all try these different strains. They all come back with their scores. They put the scores together. They add them all up. Then they get down to like, we had 260 entries this year. So this year we got down to a top 50. Then the judges go away with all those entries again for another week and try them again so they can come back and get to their top
0: 20. So in one week, they're testing 50 different specimens. No, over, over six weeks, they're trying 260. So how many is that a day? Um, well, they're doing several a day is there any consideration given to the cumulative effect of getting uh, of smoking in the morning afternoon and evening by the time you've gotten to the evening, it's perhaps different. By the time you've gotten into it for five days, it's, it's different?
1: Yeah. Well, what, that, what it works with us is, is that it does have some effect on that. People have brought that up. But what we do is between all the scores, we get down to that top 50 so the judges can go away for another week with all those. Now, they've already had those top fifty one round, but now they get them again so they can have more personal time with them. And so, and then they have three meetings with the judges where they all get together and people say, look, I like number 56, check this out. And so the judges go back and forth and count on each other and kind of lean on each other for support too. So it's, it's really an incredible competition. The judging is set up so that really we find the very best cannabis and make sure that the winners are How are are the
0: judges selected?
1: Well, in the past I went out and got my best friends and the people I knew smoked a lot of pot.
0: You select the judges. I selected
1: the judges. Okay. Now, uh, as I said, as we've gotten, uh, some of the older judges have dropped off cause it's a very challenging job. Most judges think challenging. It's a, how you're well, stoned all the time. If you give your life up, it's not just being stoned. Most people, they get high, they take a couple of hits. Uh, they start to get the effect and all of a sudden they start to get euphoria and they feel great and they kind of wander off, psychologically into a wonderful place well when you're judging cannabis you have to smoke it and then stay right where you are and think okay what's happening to me right now am i feeling high am i feeling low am i getting paranoid am i getting high am i what's going on and when you have to do that every day four or five times a day for six weeks it becomes a job it's are no they paid they're not paid volunteer they're volunteers and they do it because they love the cannabis
0: and uh they love doing it but they should be paid are there other ways that the judges ingest the marijuana, eating, for example? Up until now, we have not had an edibles contest
1: or a sab or a tinctures contest uh, because there's a challenge in how to do that judging. With the edibles, uh, you can't. I mean, it affects people so differently, and. Um, Are you judging for the quality of the product itself because it's it's you're making something? Or how are you judging the effect? And what's the medicine doing? Edibles are very uh, nebulous in that they affect people very differently. Some people get, uh, like me, very little affects me very strongly. And so it's it's different
0: than uh, smoking. We're going to bring the edible contest in this year. So are you implying that uh, smoking affects people in a much more similar way than eating marijuana affects people?
1: Yeah, because eating uh, gets right into the liver and gets directly into the bloodstream, so it affects you much more quicker and stronger. Um, And so the edible, on the other hand, it's very good for medicine because uh, if people need strong medicine, it's very good for that. We're going to set up an edibles contest this year along with a tinctures and a salve contest, and we're setting up those parameters right now.
0: What do you anticipate the parameters for the edible and tincture contest will be? Well, we need to have people
1: bring in the material a lot earlier and sooner so that we can have real patients uh, test it. And so we've got to set up something where we can get this medicine in and then get it out to patients where they have time to really test it. And then we've got to figure out, um, like in the tinctures or the salves, how we're going to work with people to figure out, you know, a salve itself, even outside of the cannabis, what quality that is and what should be in there. Somebody's putting beeswax in there. Somebody's putting in echinacea in there. Does that get points or does it count if it's just straight? And so there's a lot of, a lot of people that want to help with this because, because what's happening now is there's so much of it going into salves and tinctures and edibles. It's becoming a huge growth market. It's, it's exploding. It's going to be a multi billion dollar industry
0: in the next few years. Yet under the federal guidelines, mm. it, marijuana is still a class-one drug and thus prohibited. Right. But uh, we're over 20
1: states now that have gone medicinally. Uh, we're going to be up over half the states at the end of this year. Um, within two years, we're going to be recreational in California. There's really no turning it back. I mean, at this point, it, what I refer to it as, Barry, it's like a weed. They came and pruned the bush back like two times. They pruned it back in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. They cut it down to the ground. But the root just got bigger. And every time they pruned it back, the root would blow up and it'd be a bigger business. Well, they finally tried to wipe out California, so what'd they do? They got, they got Washington and Colorado and Michigan and Pennsylvania and 20 other states now. And you can't keep putting the fingers in the dikes. They can't only spin so many of those pans. And so it's really, it's falling down. They know it. I don't know if you're aware, but the the eight former heads of the DEA came through and said that they couldn't allow Washington and Colorado to go forward uh, because it was against the UN Charter. Because that's really a part of the New World Order. Uh, and then it turned out that several of these former DEA heads were part of the owned uh, testing labs, so they were they were kind of self-interest.
0: Before we close, there's one no. other area that I'd like to discuss with you, no. and that's the effect of high school and junior high school students mm-hmm. smoking marijuana on a regular basis and the effect on their brain development. Do you have any thoughts?
1: I don't think people should do it uh, that much as a young adult. I mean, I I did uh, when I was a young adult, uh, but I started meditating when I was 15, too. I've been doing transcendental meditation for 40 years. I meditate every day for a half hour. And anybody that works with me, I tell them to pray and meditate more and smoke less. How do you pray? Um, well, I do a...
0: Uh, not you, but how is prayer done? You would be a fine example. For me, I go into silence for a couple minutes, and then
1: I chant, a Buddhist chant, Omane Om um, which is not really transcendental meditation, but it's a similar thing. I chant that for 20 minutes. And then I have personal prayer with uh, with with God, Creator, and Christ. I'm a Christian, but I also believe in all the other f- spiritual faiths. There are all ways to find God. So I do a Buddhist chant. I do Native American cards. I pray to Christ, and I uh, I use uh, different different spiritual faith for uh, direction.
0: Well, Tim Blake. Thank you again Mm -hmm. for being with us for two visits on Radio Mm -hmm. Curious. Mm -hmm. And before we close, is there another eureka or an aha moment that you could share with us besides the uh, extraterrestrial beings that uh, hovered over you on a road trip? I went to India um, in the early 80s.
1: And uh, what really struck me was not so much just the poverty over there, but, but the beautiful... Uh, Expressions of joy and and life everyday life that people had even though these people were in poverty or broke or didn't have any of the material uh, Things that we did they were basically intrinsically a happier people and after spending a couple months in India I realized that uh, That our country uh, had gone in the wrong direction because we have so much material wealth But we don't have any of the intrinsic inner happiness that uh, I saw in India. And so it made me move towards meditation and move towards uh, looking at different spiritual face to find that.
0: And tell us more about what you would like to do with the rest of your One Precious Life.
1: Well, I would like to see us um, convince the New World Order people uh, to, um, to realize that it would be better for us to live and thrive. That rather than try to exterminate half the population, uh, that it would be better to find ways to uh, to make it possible for all of us to exist together.
0: How would you propose to convince them? Um, well, I do everything I
1: can showing them that cannabis can be a medicine. Um, I think that we have to go out and talk about this. I'm doing this with you today. For us to convince them, I'm... I read, I go to all the community events I can. I talk with people. I talk to law enforcement. I think that what you have to do is you have to talk to law enforcement and politicians and people that aren't bought in by them and convince them to really look at it and open their eyes.
0: How would you address the population
1: growth? The population growth? Worldwide. Um, you know, we've had talks about that, and that's really a challenging issue because it's so out of control at this point. That I'm, I'm surely not the one to say that we need to remove you know, several billion people off this planet. But what is the option? How do you exist now with eight or nine billion people uh, with the food issues that we've got? Uh, it's a really, it's a, now we've gotten to the point where we let it get this far. It's a challenging situation. But I still think that there's enough food here for people to exist. There's enough ways to, for us to get fresh water. And if we just recirculated the, popula- or the wealth of, the, of this planet, we're going to basically have to take away the wealth from the, the 1%. And I think we all know that, isn't it? Isn't it true? We're going to have to redistribute that so that the rest can survive.
0: And finally, Tim Blake, uh-huh. is there another book in addition to Sex at Dawn that you could recommend to our listeners?
1: Yeah, the book that I have read uh, several times, it's not an easy book to read at first, uh, but it's called The Arantia Book. And uh, I have, it's about uh, 2,000 pages. I've read that uh, two or three times now. And it really, um, it's a its a wonderful uh inspiring book on how uh, how other worlds might look, how, how we look, what we look to the rest of the universe, you know.
0: Well, Tim Blake, thank you again for being with us on Radio Curious. Oh, thank you. Pleasure. This was the second of two conversations with Tim Blake, recorded on January 17th, 2014. He's the founder of the Emerald Cup, California's oldest competition among outdoor growers of organic cannabis His website is TheEmeraldCup.com You may hear our first interview at RadioCurious.org Tim Blake recommends the Urantia book Revealing the Mysteries of God the Universe, Jesus and Ourselves published by the Urantia Foundation that's U-R-A-N-T-I-A Tim Blake's comments and opinions are his, and not necessarily that of Radio Curious, our staff, or me. We're just curious. There are over 500 archive editions of Radio Curious on our website, www.radiocurious.org, where they're free for you to stream, download, enjoy, and share. We appreciate your curiosity, ideas, comments, and questions. You may reach us by email, curious at radiocurious.org. Christina Honested is our associate producer, and I'm host and producer, Barry Vogel. Thank you for listening.